Thanks, Dr. Baez. Next up, we have Rajiv Singh. Rajiv Singh co currently works for Absa Capital, um, specifically kind of, he's currently working on splitting up the systems post the Absa and Barclays unbundling. He has actual background studying at WITS, and he's worked in a range of banks, FMB, Standard Bank, specifically focused initially on credit risk modeling, and now kind of moved to a very non-traditional role. Um, Rajiv, if you join us on the stage. And please would you welcome him. Hi, good morning everyone. Uh, thank you for the introduction, Rahar. Um, just further to that, uh, which will give you some more background on this presentation. So as you mentioned, I'm working uh, at Absa Capital, so currently in the corporate investment banking space. I've worked on high profile credit risk multi-million budget projects uh, across the African continent. Um, I've worked on numerous sy business systems implementations through the full end-to-end -end project, software development, and change life cycles in that gray area between business and technology. Some of the projects being the implementation of a credit risk limit management system for over-the-counter derivative products in the rest of Africa, uh, automation of facility letters for clients to reduce turnaround times, also worked on the standardized approach to counterparty credit risk, it's sort of ensuring that the BA610 for rest of Africa entities for APSA Capital um, is production ready when we, when, with the regulation, when we have to adhere to the regulations. And the biggest project thus far is this divesture from Barclays Bank PLC, where we have to have self-sufficient and self-sustaining systems for APSA for the next 10 to 15 years, and all within a, transaction, a transactional service agreement. So once we have full regulatory deconsolidation, we are self-sustaining. I've also been involved in the Actries Without Frontiers, uh, building a digital financial tool, um, and currently now involved in the newly formed Systems and Technology Committee. During today's presentation, I'll be going through why some financial institutions fail, the operation, operational failures relating to banking, which efficient systems and technology processes and data might have reduced, we're also going through some of briefly of the new regulations that the banks need to adhere to fairly soon. And how then going through how do we bridge the gap between the actual profession and information technology department. <coughs> Lastly, I'll tell you more about the ASA System and Technology Committee. All with the aim for you to start thinking about systems and technology and hopefully getting you involved in this gray area and building out some best practice guidance notes, advisory notes, and ed educational papers that will benefit the profession as a whole. Before continuing, I'd like to go through two definitions. What is an actuary and what is operational risk, which will also give you further context on where the actuarial skills and ITs might overlap. An actuary is a professional who applies analytical, statistical, mathematical, and strategic thinking to value bring greater understanding and improved decision-making to uncertain future events. Operational risk is a risk of loss arising from inadequate or failed, in, failed internal processes, people, and systems, or from external events. Operational risk also includes legal risk, but excludes risk arising from strategic and reputational risk. The key words of an actuary I'd like to bring to you uh, is strategic thinking skills, and uncertain future events. The key words under operational risk that I want to highlight is processes and systems. With the skills 
actuaries have in quantifying and managing risk, in my mind, systems and technology is a new space where we can add value. Particularly if we look at the way banking is going to be done in the future. With the fourth industrial revolution, we have seen with fintechs, mobile banking, and blockchain ap applications. Just think back to uh, Mark Britt's uh, comments on systems and Conrad's comments on uh, international risks. Some say banks are in fact IT companies now selling financial services. And some say you do not need banks to do banking in the future. If these are true, doesn't it make systems and technology and related data and processes even more crucial and a place actually should play in? So why do financial institutions fail? From what the committee could find, uh, there were two articles. We'll probably be reaching out to Mark and Conrad further after this. Uh, there's two articles, one from Managing Risk by William McDonnell, and the other, Causes of Banking Difficulties by Group De Contact. They say that management problems were the biggest, or the root cause of, of uh, financial institution failures. Operational risk being a significant factor, but also correlated across different risk factors, both internal and, and external to the organization working in combination, with a major risk attributed to weak systems and lack of controls to keep up with the needs and appropriate risk management needed. These articles were from 1998 and 2002, so these issues are not new and still applicable in 2018, probably even more so given the speed at which technology is being utilized as a business enabling tool. So how do we mitigate these risks? Is it better governance? Is it standardization of system implementations brought through by best practice principles? Is it increased regulatory oversight? Or is it actually working more closely with the technology departments? These are just some questions to think about. The problems of a lack of, rig of a rigorous operational framework and implementation thereof, coupled with inefficient systems and processes, is a global problem. On the slide, I've put up nine case studies covering some international and local events, but they are definitely much more. From what we only hear about the ones that make the news, sometimes which is probably too late to do anything about. Some of these events didn't cause banks to fail, as there were many correlating factors that take into place, but it highlights some of the related operational risks that resulted in losses. Just going through some of these, I'd like to the one key one is the 2008 financial crisis and the failure of Lehman Brothers, barring the fact that the mis-selling of sub -toc uh, toxic subprime debt. At that point, the true exposure that the banks had couldn't be determined for their holdings in these mortgage-backed securities. And it was unknown what the true exposure was before it was too late. Maybe if things were set up correctly from a system and technology and operational perspective, this could have been avoided. Locally, Old Mutual also had exposure to this. If I remember correctly, it took management some time to actually get the true holdings of the full exposure. From that time, the share price fell from 20-something rand right down to 4 and 40, which is a major destroyer of wealth. Also, another South African example might be African Bank, unsecured lending, where the pace of doing business outpaced the speed at which systems, processes, 
technology and controls to monitor this complex risk involved. Looking further back, Sambo Bank could be another example, and a more recent one, VBS Mutual Bank. You still need to see what the operational failures were there. Other South African examples, probably lesser known, is the Nene Gate in, in December 2016. It was an external event which resulted in trading losses because the full exposure on the trading book um, and the way they had to be monitored in the risk management systems were unknown. Maybe many of you, if you are working in the market space, will remember that. Something probably similar would be the sign-off event, barring the fact that uh, the, failure, uh, the, the audit failures, um, I don't think a single bank knew the true exposure or consolidated exposure or single customer view to sign-off. The list goes on, and there are many more. There are some from insurance, um, the one being most recent one in June this year, which is a cybersecurity event at, uh, based on the uh, at liberty of their data breach. The reasons and losses are unknown. These, these examples provide a brief insight into what went wrong operationally and gives us ideas of possible steps to ensure how this risk can be minimized. In all of these examples, could better systems management processes and data have helped avoid these events. Looking at those particular for banking, the full cost of system failures are often unknown, or technology failures are often unknown as well. Due to the complex nature of implementations and interactions of various business units within the organization and the impact of thereof both internally and externally on clients. Some of the reasons for operational failures in banking is incorrect pricing and risk management, processes of not having a single view of the customer, incorrect customer data that is a single source, no authoritative, authoritative data source, lack of systems, lack of data integration controls and handoffs between the various systems, no straight through processing, lack of controls manu and manual interventions that are needed in order to reconcile data between various systems. Sometimes there's also inconsistent de definitions and implementations and applications of exposure metrics between various systems in various departments. These are just some of the reasons that will cause operational uh, losses. There are two papers uh, listed for further reading, one by the Bank of International Settlement, uh, which is on banking failures and the other on supervisory guidance for weak banks. These were also from many years ago, but it gives insights into many other reasons and gaps in banking, in banking operations. These operational failures can be summarized into some key underlying problems. Little actuarial or related skills in IT decision making. There's no overarching external IT body for minimum standards of, for software development of quality assurance. Generally, these are governed by internal policies, standards, and enterprise management frameworks, which might not be applied efficiently and correctly. There's limited fines for failed implementations, limited standard system audit processes, and probably also the lack of business knowledge in the developer space, where anyone can develop a system. For banking to close out some of these problems with operational efficiencies related to particularly key risk areas. 
The regulations that the banks need to adhere to is the Basel Committee of Banking Supervision, Standard Number 239, or BCBS 239, which is probably considered a swear word in most banks at this stage because of the sheer work that needs to be done to resolve some of these operational issues. Many of you might have worked in this, um, be touched by BCBS 239 if, you, if you've been working in the credit risk modeling space of probability of default exposure of default and loss given default, or have worked in SACCR or BCBS 279. Uh, you've probably been touched by BCBS 239 in some way. BCBS 239 speaks to the IT, the enterprise IT function complying with minimum standards for data when it comes to authoritative and golden sources, data lineage, how it is tracked and sourced, the control and reconciliation, and any com compensating controls for any limitations that are there. It also speaks to having so efficient system and data architecture and operational robustness in delivering risk aggregation for monitoring to give meaningful, to give measures of financial services sector meaningful measures for the risks that it holds. It also speaks to having data quality controls, service level agreements, processes, and to meet the reporting needs. For most of us, if we worked on the in the risk weighted asset space um, and reporting to the Saab, you probably would have heard about BCBS and have worked on BCBS 239 in some capacity. Similarly, on the trading book side, analogous to 239 is the fundamental review of the trading book, which is related to the market risk function, which also speaks to having the good data principles in place, data management in place, and making sure that it's applied consistently in banking systems to, use, to be used in reporting and modeling. These regulations actually put banking ahead of the financial ahead of the others in the financial service services industry in closing out operational gaps. And these principles can be applied to any area of banking and also to insurers. The ASSA System and Technology Committee is looking to leverage off these best practice frameworks um, in BCBS 239 and the fundamental review of the trading book in order to build out these guidance notes. This presentation is not to go into the details of the regulations, but to give you a brief overview of some of the dots that you can connect in your own space. But just some of the key themes of BCBS 239 is risk reporting, supervisory, supervisory overview, governance and infrastructure, and risk data aggregation. Fundamental review of the trading book is data management, risk aggregation, standard models, and backtesting. On data management, its systems, it, its governance, infrastructure, quality control, and integration, all of which is underpinned by systems and technology and process, processes for this to be achieved. It could be, it is a complex problem in, to achieve this given the interdependencies between various departments and teams to get this done. But if you have a look at some of these regulations, some of these principles seem so intuitive. You might ask the question, why weren't they just implemented from the beginning? And why was the need for regulations in the first place? To give you an overview of some of the complexities related, I have a slide up that shows the different stages in system implementations and the various stakeholders involved. You'll see on the one side, there are inputs from business, actuarial, and other stakeholders. On the other side, in red, is the output to business, actuarial, regulators, and other stakeholders. Most of us 
would have worked in either of the red spaces. And it's this gray area in between is where the magic happens for development, system implementation, and testing. In between this, most of, some of us might not see what happens between inputs and outputs, but all stakeholders need to work together in order to achieve value throughout this whole value chain and achieve the desired results. We don't want this gray area to be a black box going forward. I've included in the center of this gray area the product owner who could be anyone. Ideally, it should be somebody with some business knowledge or augmented with the skills that the IT department has. The product owner brings everything together to ensure systems are fit for business purposes and is responsible in ensuring delivery of value out of the system for clients both internal and external. The product owner is also involved in the different stages of the product, uh, project and development life cycles. And it needs to utilize a range of skills, different skills through each stage. At a high level, the different stages are requirements gathering with business analysts, designing system changes, developing the ch um, change with developers, sitting with the developers, testing the changes, including testing with business users, getting business sign off and implementing the change and ensuring that the users use, use the system. This process flow is applicable to the various project, project methodologies, whether it be agile or waterfall. It's also applicable to new systems implementation, up system upgrades, ongoing changes for system maintenance, keeping the systems fit for purpose and business can use. There are a lot of touch points regarding uh, with system stakeholders. It is a complex problem, so how do we bridge the gap between the inputs and outputs? The world is shifting towards a more digital and technology-enabled environments and ecosystems. I don't see how we cannot be involved some way and bridge this gap, bridge this gray area, because the gap is gonna get bigger if something is not done now. With actuaries learning the skills of risk, controlling it, managing it, and mitigating it, and also being able to think broadly and break down complex problems using our cognitive flexibilities learned in training, this is definitely a, a place where actuaries can play. It is a non-traditional role, and this role is gonna get more complex as new merging technologies come in, come, come in, to come in. But the professional, the professional will need to learn new, new skills around testing frameworks, new ways of working, coding practices, how systems are implemented, and the governance around these, just to name a few. A few. Looking forward, not only to banking, but financial services in general, the problems are gonna be compounded as we introduce more systems and applications. The things that we need, to, and then we need to correct things now. There are big risks around cybersecurity and cyber risk. Things that we need to get right are automation, integration, data, governance, controls, with some of the solutions might be standardization, leveraging of different technologies from different departments, having microservices and treating software as a service instead of a product. Having a single big data source, just to name some. Other solutions, I think, as a good starting point, will be 
education of both the actual profession on IT-related matters and, IT related, and the IT department on actual-related matters, so we can bridge that skills gap. I'm sure if we applied the actual control cycle of designing, implementing, and monitoring, if you remember the slide I put up on system stakeholders, things would improve and get better. According to the World Economic Forum, some of the critical skills needed in 2020, and probably even in 2025 or 2030, in my opinion, is around complex thinking, cognitive flexibility, emotional intelligence, management, business and commercial, coding, modeling, the actual profession probably already has 70% of these skills or transferable skills, but we just need to kind of augment the other 30% so we can become more relevant in 10 to 20 years from now. The ASA and System Committee, System and Technology Committee is looking to do just that by starting now to build a base for a possible new generation of future actuaries. The committee aims to empower the profession on systems and technology-related matters, to create awareness around operational risks around it. We have had a, quite a busy year. It's uh, only, the committee is only one year old. We've presented at the Life Assurance Conference, at the uh, Health CPD Day. Uh, we've had a sessional meeting in Namibia. Um, we're looking to present at uh, the Pensions Conference and various uh, APSA internal conferences. The main reason at presenting at these practice days is that systems and technology touches all practice areas. There is already a lot of people uh, that are that's part of the profession and working in the space, and we're looking to leverage off uh, their, their experiences and help us build out these uh, guidance notes. Currently, we have a wide representation um, across the industry from Solvco, APSA, NetBank, Deloitte, Hollard. NMG, Alex Forbes, Guard Risk, Silverbridge. We are looking to expand that. Um, I'd like to see the likes of Discovery Bank, First Rand Bank, Standard Bank are on this list. If there is sufficient uh, uptake in getting involved, we might need to have a substream just for banking and system and operational risk-related matters. The um, targeted areas for guidance um, around uh, so advisory notes and educational papers. Over the next few months, we're looking to get out some drafts uh, related to the actuary's role in data in, mi in migrations and system design. It could be uh, system migrations or data migrations. Um, the actuary's role in system testing and software testing, so unit testing, system integration testing, user acceptance testing, just to name a few. And also the role when it comes to signing off system design business cases, functionality, and usability. This will form, we also later looking to put notes around project management, cyber risk. AIG has willing, uh, is, gonna, is somebody that we have um, approached to help us build the cyber risk uh, framework, uh, and also around model implementation. This will form the base of what might possibly be a core technical subject in a few years' time. If you are brave enough to, to venture into this gray area, or passionate about systems and technology, or even ready to make a difference and want to get involved in this, place, uh, this space, please, uh, you can email me, or I'll be here throughout the day, you can come and chat to me. Uh, we do have our committee meetings the third 
Thursday of every month. You can attend if you'd like to present ideas or suggestions, or if you'd like to partner with us on future sessionals, uh, sessionals just let us know. Um, there will also be material that will be going out, as I mentioned, in the next few months. Uh, please review that, give your input. It will be very, very beneficial. Um, if you'd like a copy of this presentation, I'm sure uh, we'll be able to distribute that. And if you do have any other feedback or suggestions, please uh, email myself or Mia Jeringa, which is the chairperson of the committee. Lastly, the disclaimer, the views and opinions mentioned in this presentation is, that of the, is, not, is not that of any organization or companies that have been mentioned, and it's not meant to give any advice. Uh, all the material mentioned is assumed for free, uh, fair use. Um, and I think we do have some time for some questions. Are there any questions from the floor for Rajiv? Cool. If there's no questions, I'll be at our. Uh, there's room. one. Thank you, Rajiv, uh, for the talk. Um, just uh, one question from my side. Um, based on your talk, it seems like uh, um, the banking that we know today is going to significantly change in the next few years, let's say maybe in the next five years. My question is, uh, what does that picture look like in, the, in like, at that five-year period? And, uh, uh, how poised are banks at this particular point in time to exist uh, if they will exist? I know this is a very touchy topic. <laughs> I was uh, talking to a few fintech guys last night, so uh, this topic uh, came up uh, a lot. Okay, um, it's hard to say what will happen in five years' time, but the landscape of banking has or is changing day on day with um, all the fintechs that are currently happening in the payment space. But that's just in the payment space. There's, there's a whole lot of other stuff that uh, we could leverage off. The blockchain application, uh, leverage off reg techs, which make our regulatory reporting more efficient. So what I see happening over the next five years is more system automation, more integration, a standardization of system implementations and using software as a service and using microservices so we don't have those manual handoffs between various systems. Um, obviously all of that comes with a cost and hoping that actuaries can work in that space in order to building the business cases so we can get funding to, to make systems more efficient and, uh, and, and, and reduce operational risks. Um, I, do, I do see big data being uh, something that uh, will be changing banks. We'll be, they say it's the new uh, data is the new oil. We are going to try and mine that as much as we can, and we'll be using more machine learning uh, in our models. Thanks. Anybody else? Excellent. Thank you cool. so much uh, for your time, Rajiv. Hopefully, this presentation helped uh, in connecting some of the dots for you in that gray area between actuarial and information technology, and. In some of the presentations that you might hear later, just keep at the back of your mind how can systems and technology help making things more efficient and reduce operational risk. Thank you.